What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everybody. Welcome back to The Curtain Call. I'm your host, as always, Shane Kubis, contributor to Still Curtain. And joining me as my co-host for this show, normally he has to be in the, the big boy chair, but for this show he gets to sit back a little bit more, uh, Tommy Jagai, editor of Still Curtain. Tommy, we're in full off-season mode with the Steelers, watching the divisional round, and we're going to get into all that, but uh, definitely disappointing to not be in it at this point with the Bills' loss last week, but lots to look forward to, and I think that overall we have a lot of things that we can look forward to with the way the offseason could go. So what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's obviously if we had high hopes, we could be in the race right now. I, I think that most of us were realistic, realistic enough to probably realize that yeah, we weren't getting there all the way at least this year. So yeah, bounced out early, like uh, kind of like both you and I predicted. Uh, but there is a lot to look forward to. I know the Steelers are in the salary cap hole right now. They can get out of that pretty easily yeah. uh, with several moves. And I'm sure we'll address a lot of these things uh, as we go through the offseason here. But uh, definitely a op- uh, reason to be optimistic, at least heading into next year. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the Steelers have been in this weird purgatory for quite some time where we can't really be good enough to compete for a title, but also not nearly bad enough to kind of get the premium assets that some other teams have mm-hmm. used to get into title contention, right? We're kind of in that that gray area. And I think you can exist in that area and still succeed as we have shown, but they have to make some changes to their approach this offseason. And the early indications, at least from what we're hearing from the top guys, makes me think that could be possible. But before we get into that, let's talk about the divisional games a little bit. You know, obviously that's what's going on in the NFL right now, what just happened this past weekend. And it puts into perspective where the Steelers are at right now, right? Like watching these teams mm-hmm. that have made it this far, even some of the flawed teams that still have done a few things differently than maybe the Steelers have done to get to that divisional round level. I want to start with the Bucks lions game, actually, because that one to me is the most interesting to our situation because both of the quarterbacks for those two teams were guys that were kind of viewed as like mm-hmm. mid-year players at best, especially Goff prior to the last two years and Baker for much of his Cleveland Browns career, especially. And then he had obviously the rough year last year, bounced around, shows up in Tampa, balls out for them, does everything right, gets his team to this level. So these two teams were not built off the backs of franchise quarterbacks per se, 
right? Now, Tom Brady was there before Baker Mayfield, but Mayfield gets them a divisional you know, win. The Lions win their division as well with Jared Goff. Granted, playing much better than he did prior, but still. I think they are an interesting blueprint to how a, st- a team like the Steelers, who maybe don't have a surefire franchise quarterback, can still get to this level. Yeah, I think that they show you that you can make it work under the right circumstances if you don't have that like upper echelon elite level quarterback. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that most interesting thing to note, though, Shane, is the of these teams in the final four here. Look at the coaches of these yeah. teams. You've got you've got Kyle Shanahan. You've got Ben Johnson and uh, Dan Campbell in Detroit. You've got John Harbaugh and you and you've got uh, Andy Reid. And so it's it's not a surprise these teams have gone as far as they have. Obviously it looks too, very different in the two conferences because you've got Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes squaring off uh, this week. But then also you have Jared Goff, who's still in the race. Baker Mayfield was nearly there at this point, which I didn't think anybody uh, would have thought that he would be either. So yeah. I do think there's reason to be optimistic that you can potentially get it done. And I think for Steelers fans specifically, Shane, they should be rooting for Lions for, for multiple reasons. First of all, they haven't won their Super Bowl in 95 years, and they have never won their tra- championship. And so, and secondly, if you can do it with Jared Goff, maybe, just maybe the Steelers can get back on track to where they need to be and turn things around as, as quick as next year. And so I think that uh, Goff is a perfect example of a quarterback whose career was revitalized mm-hmm. because of ben, having Ben Johnson as the offensive coordinator these past two years. I mean, this was a contract that was looking to be dumped uh, they, they, the Rams went so far as to say, we're going to get an older, better quarterback in, in, in Matt Stafford, which worked out for them, yeah. but they had to eat a bunch of guaranteed money. They had to get rid of his contract, uh, and pay draft capital just to make that exchange. And so it's, it looks like it, one of those rare scenarios where it's going to work out for both parties here. Uh, and then Baker Mayfield in the first round of the playoff goes off for like 336 yards and three touchdowns. And, and so a guy that's kind of been up and down in his career, but I feel like if those guys can make it work, it does give a little bit of hope for Steelers fans that if you don't have the Patrick Mahomes or the Josh Allen or the, or the Lamar Jackson, that you can still compete for a Super Bowl. Absolutely. And that, and kind of goes back to the other NFC game too, where the NFC and AFC are very different in the sense that I think the AFC is a quarterback centric conference and the NFC yeah. is a is a defense slash head coach centric conference, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the successful teams the NFC have, you know, not that the quarterbacks are bad necessarily, especially looking at the way Goff has played the past few years. And you know, Jalen Hurts had a had a rougher year this year, but is still very talented. Like some of the top teams in the in the NFC still have quarterbacks that are very good quality. But you look at the Niners Packers game, right? Jordan Love, a young upcoming quarterback who does look to be getting up into that top ten territory for sure but still a young guy really powered by a coach that is pushing all the right buttons in Matt LaFleur. And then you look at the Niners, right? Most people who understand the game understand that Brock Purdy is not by himself a top five quarterback, right? He is not a top five quarterback talent. He does not play like one independently of his team. But when you have the scheme Shanahan has and you have the playmakers that he has, you can get top five play out of Purdy a lot of the time. Now in this past game, Mm -hmm. Definitely got bailed out by some drop picks, some other things. Had a really nice final drive, though, put it together. He's He does have the missing ingredient that Shanahan quarterbacks haven't had, which is, the, I think, just the, the mentality and the fortitude to deal with tough situations and not fold under pressure like Garoppolo has in the past and guys like that. But still, I mean, it's really a, a head coach-centric you know game in that game especially. Yeah. And the better, in my opinion, head coach and team won out ultimately despite the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I couldn't agree more 
uh, with the comments regarding Purdy because I, I think you see like this this team is top in the league yards after attempt year after year and Purdy was really good but I think yeah. that he's he's not on that level and I think you can see that and I think if you go like position by position it's like all right where are the holes on the 49ers is it the offensive line no not really I mean they, they're they've they're really good there their skill positions are the best in the league I mean overall top to bottom talent like this 49ers team might be the most talented roster that we've seen since like the 90s 49ers uh they're that good and you've got hall of famers uh everywhere on this team and so i think that you can legitimately look at this roster and say as good as purdy was and as efficient 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 as he was this year he still might be one of the weaker links on this roster because it's just so strong overall but yeah i agree uh the coaching though matters so much and it shows it you why uh, how valuable Kyle Shanahan is that he can do it uh, with whoever. I mean, he's been here uh, time after time, and it doesn't really matter who his guy is. Right, and I think that's the key factor here is, like, I do think that of the Shanahan Niners era quarterbacks, Purdy has the best skill set to fit into his scheme, right? But this is still a head coach and offensive weapon-driven team that found a quarterback that is willing and able to do enough things outside of their scheme to help elevate them, right? Where the, now I think they can be considered a true Super Bowl contender again, opposed to where before it felt like they were just one buzzsaw away, defense away from just not yeah. being able to do it. And again, that still might happen if they face the Ravens or Chiefs again, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that's still going to be possible. But I do think if they get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have much better chance of actually winning it than they have at any other point during Shanahan's tenure. So that's really interesting for them. Moving to the AFC, again, quarterback central conference. We're looking at obviously the, the Texans, Ravens first. Definitely didn't go the way that a lot of people thought as far as it being a fun game, at least. It was definitely a blowout, especially after halftime. But yeah. again, Lamar Jackson exercises some playoff demons, has four total touchdowns, a return of 50 total yards, really efficient day for him. And, and Stroud, as good as he's been in his rookie year, this Ravens defense coordinated by Mike McDonald is just a different level than most other defenses in the NFL, and especially the ones left in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised to see the outcome turn out the way it did. I thought that right. the Texans would put up a little bit better of a fight, but right. my goodness, Lamar is just as cool as a cucumber right now, and I feel <laughs> yeah. like that is the team to beat. I mean, that is mm -hmm. my Super Bowl favorite right now. They're, they are riding high. And I feel like this could be the time where Lamar puts all of that criticism to rest. Yes, I am a postseason quarterback. Yes, I can do this. And and so uh, I think that, that the Steelers are going to have to deal with a nightmare in C.J. Stroud for the next decade plus in the AFC. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, but um, I, I just feel like it shows you how strong this Ravens roster is right now. And so uh, not betting against them at all. Uh, however, it's so hard to get to bet against Patrick Mahomes. This week as well, too. I mean, the guy's like 13 and three in, in the postseason. It's got like 32, 33 touchdowns and three picks. All something in class. it's unbelievable. And I mean, so, yeah, uh, yeah, it's that that's that's going to be a fun matchup, I think, for sure. And uh, again, like people, especially Steelers fans, are going to probably want to say, like, hey, well, we beat the Ravens twice this year. You know, why can't we compete with them? First of all, I think everyone can acknowledge the week 18 game was basically just a, a farce. Like, we still struggled in that game and they weren't playing their starters. And the, the other regular season game, I mean, I could have caught some of the passes Lamar was throwing that the receivers could. Like, it's just – it. we got lucky. It's great that, we, again, we do this, right? We we force teams into these errors often. Something about playing mm -hmm. the Steelers when you're a good team, it just frustrates them for some reason. But if you look at the way Lamar has played this year, going to probably have his second MVP. 
what scares me the most, and I wanted to touch on this for a second because we are going to be talking about the future mm-hmm. of the Steelers and like what they have to do to compete. Lamar right now in the pocket is unflappable. You cannot make him jittery. You cannot make him upset in the pocket. He simply does not care. Like there is moments in that Texas game, they were bringing pressure. They were sacking him like they were getting to him, and he was taking sacks a couple of times. And it didn't matter because in the second half, mm-hmm. he just kept doing playing his game, and they could not do anything about it in the second half. That's what's scary, with especially if Monken does stay as the offensive coordinator, if he doesn't get another job. He has been interviewing, but no guarantees he'll get one of those open opportunities. It's just scary to see a player with his athleticism not really care to use it unless absolutely necessary because he can just spring it on you now. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you have to watch Lamar all the time because now you can't do that. You can't just play mm-hmm. contain and, and leave him in the pocket because you will get destroyed. It just is hard to watch as a Steelers fan and go, man, we could definitely keep this streak of beating them every year going. Like, it just doesn't feel good, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the scary part. It's, this is not Greg Roman's offense anymore. This is Lamar no. Jackson improving as a, a true pocket passing quarterback these days yeah. with the ability to take off and be the best runner in the league as well. And so I think that combination is scary. You've got, say, Flowers who can run after the catch. Odell kind of had a balance back year. And so... Uh, just their, their entire outlook moving forward. I mean, they've got a great head coach, one of the second longest tenured uh, in the NFL currently next to Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. I think he came the year after in John, yeah. John Harbaugh. Coaching staff's good. Roster's good. I mean, they're strong pretty much everywhere. And so they're, they're just going to be a force to, to deal with for a while here. And I think they could do it all this year. I really do. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. But real quick before we talk about the last game, before we get into our next topic, we have a comment here from – uh, good old R. Barley. I, with it, Barley barely. We never asked him, but Barley, I believe, 18. Uh, do you, I'm assuming, do you think Con Weidel are taking more control of decisions than Colbert ever did? Colbert seemed to be a Tomlin yes man, where some decisions lately seem less 100% what Tomlin was. I do think that, regardless of whether you think Colbert was the, a yes man kind of GM at times, I do think Con and Weidel certainly are influencing things more than I think Colbert did during his tenure, especially kind of in the middle to end part of it, mm-hmm. where especially taking attack on the first round, right? Attacking corner in the, in the basically first round with the 32nd pick. Like taking guys who normally haven't been the priority in the first couple of rounds for the Steelers, right? That I think matters a lot. And the type of players too. You take the long athletic tackle, you trade up to get him even. You take the long athletic corner. Like this is the type yeah. of decisions that we've been wanting in the draft that we haven't really been getting for a long time. And I think that is indicative of the way that Khan wants to do things, that Weidel wants to do things as well. And that's part of when we get to the offseason and start talking more about what this team needs to do, I do feel more confident that some of those big decisions are going to be coming as a collective and not just Tomlin saying, hey, this is what I need for my roster. I mean, I I did get the impression these last five years with Tomlin Colbert that Tomlin did have a big hand in things in terms of the draft process. I'd like to see him be less involved there. Right. I know that he he said he's planning on being on the scouting trail uh, once again this offseason. It's not that I don't want him there. It's just I want Con and Wilde to make these decisions. That's why they yeah. are the GM and assistant GM. And I think that they're good at what they do. And I think that they, they're, they're both going to prove their track record here soon. It's just... It, I the, the biggest thing I've hated about the draft process, Shane, these these past several years is that the Steelers, I feel like they get themselves locked into a position. Yes. Like we have a need at running back. We have to draft a running back. Mm-hmm. We've got a need at quarterback in 2022. We have to draft a quarterback. Uh, they did the same thing with Terrell Edmonds. They did the same thing with Devin Bush. They're like, there's two linebackers in this draft. We have to move up for one of them. Like you cannot, the, the philosophy is so backwards. You cannot go in with the mindset that 
you have a void and you have to fill it. It needs to be, let's take the best players at the best positions. If you do that, you can build a, a Super Bowl caliber roster. You just have to be willing to be patient and willing to let uh, other positions that might be a little bit more pressing to let those slide for a better player. And so I, I'm very optimistic with what we saw this past season. Now, I will say that in 2023, it just so happened that the best players available lined up with positions of need. So how much of that was the Steelers uh, still following the old trends and how much of that was saying, let's take the best players available because I love the value in, in last year's draft. I said it at the time I was, I was uh, very adamant that they had knocked it out of the park. And I think that they did. I think that they, they crushed it last year. Keep that going though, and say, let's not get ourselves stuck in this trend. And I don't know how much of that, was Mike Tomlin as opposed to Kevin Colbert is probably a collective uh, effort between the two of them to say, yeah, that was, we got to fill these holes. We got to be competitive. And I get that to a degree, but it, it just makes for bad uh, malpractice. If you will, when it comes to the draft process, you have to, you have to do things with forward thinking mentality in, in trying to uh, fill those holes. Yeah. And I think the one thing I will say that's nice to see is I think Jones, especially the fact that they moved up to get him, that it seemed like he was a target, not necessarily because he just happened to be the best player there, but because they wanted him in particular makes me feel good. Like Porter was certainly the best player on the board, in my opinion, at that point. Plus, yeah. it just it's too easy, right? I mean, like if he wouldn't have been the pick, I would have been floored. But then you look at guys like Darnell Washington, who that was not necessarily a need, right? Like you, you wanted maybe you wanted a second tight end, but taking one in the third round, like that wasn't necessarily like a guaranteed mm -hmm. need or anything like that. And so I, I think the overall process has improved for them. I do think they care more about taking the right player and not just the right fit and the right like need. And I do think generally speaking, that is how you need to draft in the NFL, because if you draft a guy because of need, oftentimes it, you're taking a player that might not be the best fit and the best player at that spot. Now, sometimes it works out yeah. where it's both. And then that's great. That's, that's when you hit a home run usually. <laughs> But oftentimes it doesn't work that way, right? You know, a draft doesn't tend to follow in exactly what needs you need. So, but last thing, but with the divisional round, of course, the big game, the one that everybody's talking about, the Bills Chiefs game, the part two of the playoffs with, with uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Not quite as much fireworks, but still a very good game across the board. But for the Bills, man, I it just feels like Mahomes is insurmountable for them. And it really sucks because I really think Allen is right up there with the very best in the league next to Mahomes with the Burroughs, the Lamars of the world. And it just feels like either it's really not him in this game. It was his teammates at times. And Tyler Bass, of course, misses a kick. But overall, like it just feels like they can't climb that mountain. Yeah. Right. Like they can't quite get over it. And I mean, if Josh Allen and the Bills can't quite climb that mountain, and we'll see if Lamar can climb that mountain. But if he can't do it, the Steelers certainly are in a rough spot trying to do it as well. Yeah, he's just in a tough situation. And you said it. I, I think that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think that he can play with the best of them all. And we saw that in the 2021 uh, playoff game that they had. It was just oh, yeah. unbelievable. The best offensive performance collectively I've ever seen by a pair of quarterbacks, I think, in one game before. Okay. But the problem is, I feel like Josh Allen today is kind of like Ben Roethlisberger back in the day dealing with Tom Brady every single year. And that's what Patrick Mahomes feels like at this point. I mean, he's mm -hmm. been so successful in the postseason uh, that, I mean, I, again, I would not be shocked at all if he gets his third Super Bowl win. It's just, good. He, this is going to be a dynasty. I mean, it, it just simply is because Mahomes is that good. 
And it, I feel bad for Allen. I mean, I feel, feel bad for the Bills fans in general. I really do. I know that this that, that uh, Steelers and and Bills might have some bad blood after that game, whatever. <laughs> I don't really care, yeah. but yeah, whatever. I, I they just they get so close, and then they can just they can just never quite get there. And that's kind of been the trend with them all along. And so uh, Allen's just got an uphill battle. I mean, he's probably hoping that he doesn't have to to revisit uh, Pat Mahomes in the playoffs again next year, but it just seems like this matchup is one that's not going away anytime soon. And the scary part for me is that this was the first road playoff game Patrick Mahomes has ever had to play, not counting the Super mm-hmm. Bowl as a road. So, which is just a stupid thing to say for a guy who's six years Crazy. into a starting you know career, but it didn't matter. I think the Bills and the NFL were wondering, like, will it make a difference? Will Mahomes still just find a way and his team find a way to figure it out? And they did. The Bills made more key mistakes. The Chiefs made some of their own. Nicole Hardman would, would love to have that fumble back and everything. That oh, game's yeah. probably really over then. But they just they figured it out. And I think the thing with Mahomes that's so frustrating is his his teammates this year on offense are not up to par. They just have not been. Rasheed Rice has been great for a rookie, but he's essentially just a point-and-click receiver and just hoping that he catches yeah. it and runs with it. Kelsey's still you know very productive, but he's not the same player he was last year, the year before that, or any of that. And MVS catches the ball 50% of the time. So, like, it's just a crapshoot for them on offense most of the time. And in this game, it just didn't matter. The players made the plays when they needed them. It feels like Mahomes just has this ability in the playoffs to make everything around him settle down and sort out. It's, it's like a, a calm overcomes that team. And they made the plays when they needed to, and the Bills didn't. But I think that's the part that makes it the scariest, Shane, is the fact that this that the – Chiefs have just won two straight playoff games and they could win the Super Bowl this year without any receivers. I mean, you got Rishi yeah. Rice and, and you've got an old Travis Kelsey who's still making plays, obviously, yeah. but they did it last year when they, after they traded away Tyreek Hill. I mean, I feel like this is the best time. This is the best chance you're going to get this, to this knock was, them out. I really do believe that, though, is that because, this was the year to do it. Yeah. If, if they go out and trade for a receiver during the offseason or they draft one in the first round, or they'll be right back on top. Their offense will be even scarier next year. And so, and it's it's been scary enough every year since Mahomes got here. And so you feel like like their receiving core is legitimately dreadful outside of Rasheed Rice. So you would feel like, all right, how are they still finding success? Mahomes, Andy Reid, you can never count these guys out. I mean, it legitimately looks like the the new Tom Brady Belichick combination. Like they're yeah. they're just a powerhouse. It yeah, it's scary, but you know, enough enough about other teams. Let's get into yeah. some Steelers specific conversations. So we know of one interview candidate so far with Zach Robinson, the uh, passing game coordinator uh, for the Rams. But you know, outside of him, who could be the Steelers' next offensive coordinator? That's kind of the biggest question on the minds of the, on the minds of fans right now as we enter the offseason, getting closer to the end of the season where more and more guys are going to be you know have time to interview are going to come free from different teams going to be looking at different options i think the zach robinson interview is very interesting to me and it's, it mm-hmm. does give me hope that they're going in the right direction in terms of who they're looking for but outside of a guy like him you know and i'll have you start here uh tommy what do you think or who do you think could be potential candidates or who would you be interested in them looking at for OC? Yeah, I've said kind of throughout the process that Clint Kubiak is the guy that I would strongly have my eyes on right now. It, he's come from that Kyle Shanahan tree, the passing game coordinator. Obviously, the 49ers have had uh, loads of success there, and he's only been with them uh, for one year. But look at the yards per temp numbers and everything that they were able to do. I just feel like it. 
show me the evidence we're picking from the, the offensive guy, at least from that Shanahan tree where it's failed so far, because mm-hmm. I feel like that is just a way to go. Now, Zach Robinson, a McVay guy, I, that's the next best thing, right? I, I still think that you could make a case that if you're not going to go there, go with one of those guys. Uh, obviously, obviously the chargers didn't have a, a great offense this past year. Several factors contributed to that. I still like the, the Zach Robinson interview there. Um, but I, there are guys that I would steer clear of though, like the, mm-hmm. the retread guys and, and the guys who have not had a lot of success as of late, like the pep Hamilton, like that one does not interest me at all. Because if you look at, uh, the, the way that the passing game was designed when he was there, as opposed to when the Texans go and flip and they get Bobby Slowick, who just knocked it out of the park, obviously had CJ Stroud. That, that makes a big difference. Certainly helps. Well. Certainly helps. But yeah. So, I, I, but, I, but there are certain guys, certain schemes that, that just don't, I, I just don't think would translate well. And I don't think would give the Steelers a big enough boost. So, and, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert to know every single one of these coordinator candidates. I have done some research on some of them. And it's, it's the reason why I like a guy like Clint Kubiak. Uh, but I feel like if you are going to go do something, do something that's totally different than what you've been doing. Because I feel like Pep Hamilton is too close to like the 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 Matt Canada scheme where you're going to target things outside of the hashes. Like I looked at it, mm-hmm. like the even if you look at like next gen stats charts charts with uh, like how Nico Collins was being used with Pep prior to how he was being used with like Bobby Sloak. And so I feel like uh, that's one that I would probably steer clear of. Um, and then Cliff Kingsbury, another name. I just, I just see that pop up on here yep. as well. So uh, that's another one who's purportedly uh, the, the Steelers have some interest in. And they might bring in as well. I think that that is a guy who kind of drew the short straw with what he had to work with there in Arizona um, before going back to the college game. So I, I think that that one would be an interesting one as well. I think he's got enough innovation uh, to his pa- passing offense to, to make that work as well. Yeah, I mean, that guy does make a lot of sense as far as Kubiak, Kingsbury getting an interesting interview is very interesting. Um, I think with the Bears uh, getting Shane Waldron as offensive coordinator, as I believe where yeah. he ended up, right? Waldron was the the top guy that I was interested in of the retread, per se, guys that have done this before, have called plays before, because he is off of that McVay tree, right? He he has that background. He had success with the, with the Seahawks with both Russell Wilson and Geno Smith, I think he would make a ton of sense as somebody who both Tomlin and Weidel and Khan would be interested in because of his experience calling good offense mm-hmm. recently. But without him out there, like you said, Kubiak makes a lot of sense. I think Robinson and Kingsbury being in the conversation is very interesting and, and promising. It's encouraging, well. yeah. Yeah, I think it's promising. Um, another guy that I've heard, uh, Daryl Bevel, passing game coordinator for the Dolphins right now, that also mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense from like a schematic yep. standpoint of what you're trying to accomplish. It the main thing I'll say is I think as long as they go with one of two prototypes, someone who has prior and preferably recent success calling plays at the NFL level, right? Somebody who has shown the ability to do that, especially with a team that maybe wasn't powered by a offensive head coach or a quarterback that was all world, right? Somebody like that or a young promising McVay Shanahan disciple, right? That's kind of the two directions I think you can go and have a very high chance of success, right? Like you're not probably going to strike out entirely by doing one of those two things. Yeah, and I think that you need that guy with the niche. You need the guy that can help yes. the passing game specifically because I, I trust the running game I think, to be yeah. solid no matter I what, so I feel too. like at this yeah. point. 
So if they're going to go with a new coordinator, and they obviously are, they're, I'm thankful that they're looking outside the organization because, like we just said before, I, I feel like people would have caught on to Eddie Faulkner very quickly in, yeah. in Mike Sullivan. Yeah. So get the guy with experience or get the guy that has just the the, the passing game mastermind and hope that he can be that next guy hope that he can be that next ben johnson and but like we said shane the issue with if you do find one of those guys they're going to get snatched up pretty quick i mean it takes a year or two like bobby sloak already one season with the texans and he's a head coach candidate because of what he was able to help do there as much as it might have been cj stroud as well a joint effort there uh those guys go fast for for head coaching jobs and so uh, not that I, I'm obviously rooting, rooting for tremendous success for whoever the OC is next. Uh, just if they're really good, don't expect them to stay very long. That's the problem. Yeah. I think the, the main thing that I think needs to, that teams need to start doing with that situation is one, if it's very clear that your head coach is not the answer to start mm-hmm. promoting those guys that are yeah. OC who are running an offense that's working really well, right? And obviously that doesn't apply to everyone. Like a lot of people are saying, like we're saying that maybe it's best if Dan Campbell, you know, just kind of goes off and lets Ben Johnson coach the, the Lions moving forward. I've even heard people say that. And as much as that hurts to say kind of because everybody loves Dan Campbell and, and he should be the coach there, it's rooted in, in like something that's a fair argument, right? Of like what yeah. happens to the Lions next year when Ben Johnson is coaching, you know, whoever it is, the commanders or whatever. It, you don't know for sure, right? Like you hope that someone mm-hmm. on that staff can replicate a lot of what Johnson wanted to do in his in his scheme. But we see we've seen with the Eagles, right? This year especially, they're kind of the the king example of what happens when you lose your coordinators mm-hmm. and you don't have a good plan to 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 deal with that, right? So it's it's going to be tough, but we'll see. I think that they have multiple yeah. opportunities here though to get this right and. There's certainly some wrong choices in my opinion, but we'll we'll get to that once we know who the offensive coordinator actually is. But, yeah, and Shana, one more thing. Yeah. You mentioned the Eagles mm-hmm. there. I actually tweeted that out this morning. I saw that. Losing, yeah. losing Shane Steichen was just a tremendous loss for them because now they've already wiped out Brian Johnson, their, their coordinator they've had for one year. And it makes you wonder, yeah, there's a case to be made because I bet if the Eagles could go back and do it, they would have kept Steichen instead of Sirianni because what is Which Sirianni's is crazy, but it's true. He's not I, I know because the 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 offense and the team in general took just such a big. Well, they lost Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator as well. But yeah. the team in general, and specifically on offense, they took such a big step back this year. It makes you wonder if going with the guy and keeping the guy that has the niche as that that passing game guy or the the offensive coordinator type is better than keeping the head coach that your current head coach at times. And so. Again, you, you talk about Ben Johnson. I think there's a, a case to be made with him. So, uh, But that's just uh, where we are with the Steelers right now. I, I would love to get in a situation where we have a Shane Steichen or a Ben Johnson to lose. <laughs> so right. I'll put it that way. Let's, yeah, let's get to that part before we worry about that that yes. happens a lot. Right, yeah, that's, that's totally fair. <laughs> um, but our main topic today, and this is going to be what we spend you know, most of the time that we've, we have today on, what can the Steelers do to compete in a brutal AFC? Right now, this is a little bit different than doing like a mock offseason necessarily because we'll, we'll get into more stuff like that as we get closer to the true offseason start once the Super Bowl's over and everything. But this for me, I think, was just a chance for us to kind of talk out like what things do we think are possible the Steelers can do to, to get back into contention? What things would we want to see them do, you know, whether it's realistic or not? Like that's kind of what I want this conversation yeah. to start. So let's start 
with kind of the big one that everyone is going to be harping on throughout the process outside of offensive coordinator, because we talked about that. What could the Steelers do this season to get better at quarterback, to make themselves more competitive in the AFC? Yeah, I think there's just a couple thought processes here yeah. that the Steelers, and you need to explore everything. I mean, yeah. every option should be on the table. This offense was atrocious last year, yeah. averaged 16 some odd offensive points per game. Yeah, uh, and you know that the quarterback play needs to get better. I mean, it's it's it was collectively it was a bottom five unit in terms of quarterback play last year. So regardless of what Mike Tomlin said, I know that he gave a glowing endorsement for Kenny Pickett and and just a a immediate yes when asked if the quarterback is on the roster. I know all of that. Right. I'm not convinced that he believes that still, no. even with spending that first round pick. And he shouldn't because we just haven't seen enough yet. I mean, Pickett had six touchdown passes in 13 games last year. It's it's not enough. And so I, I think that a couple of different routes you can go here. First of all, Shane, what I would say is, although the Steelers offense is young, their defense is not so young. Old, in fact, because yes. Cameron Hayward turns 35 years old this offseason. TJ Watt's going to be 30 uh, early in the season. Those are your two best players, your two most important players, at least on defense. If you are set on making things work right now and making that Super Bowl run right now, while you have your two best players, uh, and one of them is a Hall of Famer for sure, you need to make this work right now. And if that means throwing money at Kirk Cousins, and and I dare I say, because I hate I hate the thought of doing this, tacking on a couple voidable years with with money thrown in the future. If you need to capitalize on that window now to to make it work with TJ Watt while he is still an elite defensive player and Cameron Hayward while he's still a very good player, if healthy, I mean, then make it work. Because I, I think that that's probably option number one that you should be ex exploring, quite honestly, because every other option is going to, it, it going to make your window a little bit less open than what that option would be. I think that Kirk Cousins, I mean, get this first. Kirk Cousins has had more seasons a hundred plus pass rating in the last four years than Ben Roethlisberger had in his 18 year career. And I'm not saying that this to argue that he's a better quarterback than Ben or anything that way. Right. Different but areas, cousins has but, been yeah. cousins has been really underrated. I really yeah. think he has, he's just Mr. Reliable. So consistent. He, he, he's, he works every angle of the field and he's, a, he's just so smart with the football. And so I think that that guy, you could go from a 10 win team to a 12, maybe 13 win team with cousins. Like I think the roster is good enough that as long as you don't botch the the OC decision here, I think you can be a 12 to potentially 13 win team with Cousins immediately uh, contend at least for that buy. Uh, and even if you don't get that, you're a team that could advance through the rounds of the playoffs and potentially get there. I think that that gives them the best chance with the final window of uh, of the Watt Hayward window because this is it. I think I think it's probably this one more year with Watt and Hayward together. Obviously, Watt's going to give you several more years, but when as he gets into his 30s, I don't know where that window's going to go. Your other option, Shane, is if you don't go that route, the free agent uh, pickings are slim. I don't think that Baker's going to be on the table. He's projected no. like two years, 95 million for yeah, Bucks. Bucks uh, are going to give him a deal. They're going to they're going to retain him for sure. Uh, I, I'm not a Russell Wilson fan to bring him in at this point or anything, even no. if he gets not, not like, as a guaranteed starter. No, no, like that one. I'm not even guaranteed is a significant increase from, from what you have. I think the, the play has just been so baseline level. Uh, so the other option to me, honestly, Shane, I think that if, if you're not going to do that, there's the Justin Fields options via trade. I know that Benjamin Albright said they the bears are not going to get a first round pick out of him. It'll be at most two seconds. Uh, maybe a second and a third gets it done. I would be intrigued by that, even with a, a contract looming 
for him because that uh, if you do something like that, you've already got a great run game. You add one of the best running quarterbacks to that. Even if the pass EPA, everything is just average, that could get you a win or two better. That could make you a, a more a, a scarier team. It gives the them playoffs. an H, I think, for sure. Yes, that if if Fields is consistent enough for a three game stretch in the playoffs, it could potentially do the trick for you. And then the third option would be uh, go the NFL draft route and cut your losses and say, I know that we didn't do this right with Pickett. We we didn't do our due diligence. We locked ourselves into a quarterback in a bad quarterback class. We're, we're, we're going to cut our losses. We're going to say, even though he was the 20th overall pick a couple of years ago, he's now going to be our backup quarterback. Uh, obviously he can come in and compete. We're not going to make anything official yet. If, if, if he blows us out of the water, whatever uh, starts the season off as our, our starter, that's fine. But we're going to go in and we're going to look for all options. We are going to do our homework on the quarterback class. We're going to explore these guys in the first round, potentially even with a slight trade up. You're probably not going to get one of the top three quarterbacks this year. Uh, but the, those that next group of McCarthy and Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix, are those guys an upgrade over Kenny Pickett? And if they are, can we add them to our roster? If we get in my mind, Shane, a 10% increase at quarterback is even more important than adding a bookend offensive tackle or another cornerback because nothing is more important than the quarterback play. We saw that late in the year. Once we had a coordinator change, we saw that just the, just the competence uh, and the poise of Mason Rudolph being in there even was enough to elevate the points per game by like a touchdown more per game. And it was a small sample size, but I think that if you were able to get a significant upgrade at quarterback, that's more important than what you can do. So you can't, what, what we can't do is we can't look at this, uh, draft process and say, well, we just drafted a quarterback two years ago. We can't even think about that. that. That's the wrong mentality. Your mentality needs to be, we've got to explore every option that makes this team better. And knowing that we probably don't have the quarterback of the future on the team right now, is there one in this draft class? This is a good quarterback draft, in my opinion, much, much better than the one in 2022. And I I'm genuinely believe, and, and I've got a lot more homework to do. I have done a couple film sessions already. Uh, so I've, I've logged several hours uh, of film on the top couple uh, of the top six or so prospects. I think the top six guys, every single one of the top six guys would have been the top quarterback in the 2022 class. Had they been uh, in that year? I mean, if, if, if the window would have lined up these prospects that I'm examining right now, they all would have been better than Pickett. They all would have been better than Malik Willis, which by the way, Malik Willis ended up as the top quarterback on the consensus board in 2022, which shows you how bad the class was overall. So yes, you could get an upgrade with these quarterbacks, but I think that's the third option. It's Kirk cousins. It's a trade for Justin Fields and it's exploring a quarterback in the first two rounds realistically uh, to give you that upgrade at that position. Otherwise you're more or less going to be stuck with more of the same, I think moving forward. And you're just going to have to trust that that coordinator change is going to be enough to make a significant difference. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Super 24. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, like, there's not much I can really argue with, with that. Um, I do want to touch on a little bit of all of that for you. So the Cousins route is very interesting because of the fact that it's going to be a one or two year thing at most. I think if you hire a Zach Robinson or someone else from the McVay tree in particular, and of course a Shanahan tree too, it makes that make way more sense as well. He is kind of the prototype, like ideal quarterback for that system. And he's shown it with Kevin O'Connell. He's shown it when he was with Shanahan, you know, and that at points and whenever he was in that type of offense, like for me, if you're going to do that route, the offensive coordinator pick has to be one of those tree guys. Now, I think it should be anyway, most likely, but I think especially if they make that decision, it really kind of changes what they want to do offensively to what Cousins is going to be able to to do right right away. Well, right there's no there's not going to be a learning yeah. curve there, most likely. So that would make a lot of sense. Um, the the fields angle, the trade, you know, some actually uh, chat right here. Everyone questions Hill's throwing rightfully so. so he's uh, he's better than Kenny even before you add the legs. Fair enough. You know, he's, he's yeah. definitely had more success. Yeah. I think I think the problem with the with the Fields trade is the fact that it's essentially a one-year tryout, and then you have to decide mm-hmm. what his future is, right? And I think trading even day two capital for a quarterback that you don't already have a deal set up with that you don't know for sure is going to be the starter past that year is a little scary to me. And I do think it's something that the Steelers would also – kind of shy away from. So I will say that. So Cousins, I think yeah. I have a medium level of interest in that. The Fields trade, although I do like Fields' talent, I do wonder if that's worth it. The free agency, again, so we're not worried about that as much with Cousins. I think the tr- the the draft aspect, I haven't gotten to start watching prospects yet. That's going to start this week. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I am going to be doing a scouting pod, just throwing that out there. If you follow me on Twitter, you might see me tweet about that. So I am going to be doing a lot of scouting and quarterbacks included just because I'm not just scouting for the Steelers, I'm scouting for across the league. So I'm curious to see if those bottom three guys that aren't going to be probably taken in the first 10 picks, what they look like and how I feel about them. Because I do think if one of those three are clearly an upgrade day one from the Pickett Rudolph combination or whatever they end up doing, with Rudolph, that could also be probably the smartest decision, right? It just depends on, you know, what you think of those players. And I'm kind of mixed based on reviews I've seen from other people. So th- those three are definitely the the ones that are probably the most interesting. But what I think is going to happen, Tommy, <laughs> um, I think that they're going to bring in some sort of veteran competition, whether it's Rudolph being brought back, whether it is a Russell Wilson type or a Jacoby Brissett type or whatever, right? I think 
that's what's going to be done to compete with Pickett, and that ultimately, unless he clearly isn't better than that veteran competition, Pickett is going to get that third year in a new offensive system to prove that he is not the guy. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of fans are going to be upset about that. I honestly am very pessimistic about that idea myself, but I just feel like that is where it's trending. Yeah, Shane, I got to say this. If the Steelers go into next year and their plan is we're going to bring in, we got Pickett as our starter. We're going to bring in Mason Rudolph for competition to drive him. I mean, they're just not serious about, about trying to win a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I, I just I feel like that's where we're at at this point where it's like, all right, how much of a sample do you need? And now I know that I have no question in my mind that Pickett can improve with an offensive coordinator change. I think that yeah. we saw that already. And even though he only played one game after they made the switch to Eddie Faulkner, uh, topped 400 yards for the first time in what? 56 i can't remember whatever it was it does a certain number of games it can't hurt us anymore so we don't have to worry no it was but it was one game sample and he still only scored 16 points in that game and so should should have been 20 plus but still yeah should should have had the drop touchdown pass from Deontay there but having said that i've watched a lot of picket now i mean we've got Mm -hmm. we've watched we've got a 25 game sample of picket where and in my mind shane like the guy is playing kind of how I thought he would be. He was my 48th overall player in the draft. I was not high on him. I had, I had a, a late second round grade, a mid second round grade on Kenny Pickett. And so he's kind of performing how I expect him to. But at the same time, I I almost don't care who the coordinator is because if you're 25 games into your career and you've got 13 touchdowns and 13 picks in, in 4,000 passing yards, 79 passer rating, that's kind of all I need to know. I mean, it, it, it to me, like the 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 chances that he turns out at this point as a 26 year old quarterback in year three is just so slim. Like you, you got to defy every odd at this uh, at this point to be a guy who do, is not a touchdown throwing quarterback and to come around and all of a sudden you're a productive guy who can lead this team to a Super Bowl. Like I I be, I firmly believe that he can be good enough to manage the game to get things done to get you back to nine or ten wins. But if you want to win a Super Bowl, this is not the right route to go. And I will I will put that out there right now and I'll argue with anybody who thinks otherwise. Shane, if you want to argue with me right now, let's let's do it. Let's let's put up your dukes because I think if the Steelers want to win a Super Bowl, this is not the route to go. You've got to try something else. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and and expecting different results and you're going to get the exact same results even if you have a coordinator change your offense might go up a little bit you might scale back towards like the 20 point margin a game it's still not going to be enough with these guys yeah so i will i will not be fighting you on that so you don't have to worry about (laughs) putting your gloves on no i i think that just because i think it's what's going to happen obviously does not mean i think that's what should happen and i think the problem is is the steelers obviously we know this about them they are loyal to a fault and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. The end of the Ben era was certainly messy because of that, the loyalty to him and allowing him to kind of go out there and just trudge through it and try to figure it out. We The loyalty to guys on defense at times, you know, having the veterans play over young guys, even this past year for a lot of the year when they were clearly not the best options out there on the field. Like There's an element of the way the Steelers do things that is respectable but isn't smart all the time, right? And I wonder if this season ending the way it did, the way that the season went, having to climb out of a 7-7 seven and seven hole after losing to teams that you clearly are better than, I wonder if Tomlin sees the writing on the wall of, okay, I cannot continue to coach and run this team the same way I've always done it 
and expect it to get better. That's why I do think that there's more of a chance than ever that we could see a big move at a position and so important as quarterback. But it just feels like they're setting this thing up to give Kenny a chance when he, because partially they didn't get mm-hmm. to see him in this offense without Canada full time. They didn't get to see if he could have replicated a lot of what Rudolph did success wise. Maybe it would have looked different, but the success may have still been there. It's just, I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. And I do agree, though, that it's not going to lead mm-hmm. to a Super Bowl. It could lead to a better record, even. It could lead to maybe a playoff win with a better offense and a healthy defense, if we can get to that point. But I do think it's capped because even though the touchdown numbers, so I want to say this because it's it's a very big talking point for good reason because it's odd for a quarterback to play this mm-hmm. many games and not have you know the amount of touchdowns that he should. The one thing I will say is that nobody in this offense with Canada or without him has been able to put the ball in the end zone through the air at a rate above average or even average, right? It feels like this offense just simply doesn't throw the ball to the end zone enough. And I think Mm -hmm. part of it is the lack of red zone opportunities and then the failures in the red zone. So I I will say I don't really care about the touchdown numbers as much as I do about the fact that even with a better offensive coordinator, uh, coordinator, like you said, Tommy, I just don't think Pickett's ceiling is high enough to justify mm-hmm. not trying to upgrade from him already. That's what it ultimately comes yeah. down to. And that and that's incredibly fair. And But Shane, I, I think you and I, we both said this before, but the Steelers did themselves an incredible disservice last offseason when they did not fire Matt Canada. I right. don't care how many years he's got left. It, on it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Two-year sample size. And we saw nothing from this offense. It progressively went downhill to give him that third season was just complete malpractice. It should have never happened because we knew that Canada was a problem and we had a hunch that Pickett could be a problem as well, Mm -hmm. but we knew that one was a problem and that guy should have been gone. (laughs) Right. Make the switch. I don't care if if you're saying, Oh, we don't want to have him to have to deal with another coordinator change. I'm sure he would have gladly dealt with that change. If it means that it's going to be better for his career path. So they should have made the switch last year started that coordinator process, hire from outside the organization, bring in a fresh mind. And then we would have a much clearer picture of who Kenny Pickett is at this point, because in a lot of ways, yeah, we are, we are kind of sitting blind here, but you and I are going off of our kind of our initial assessments on him now saying, all right, we didn't love the total package coming in. We didn't love that. He, he kind of had just a pedestrian arm for the position that he was an older prospect. I mean, there's a lot of red flags out there. Yeah. Smallest hands ever <laughs> for a quarterback. I mean, it, it's yeah. it, how much of those things matter. I don't know individually, but when you add them all together, maybe there is something to it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I don't know, but we needed to see that year last year and shame on the Steelers for not giving us that year it disconnected from Matt Canada where we could see Pickett in a whole year. Now we've got to do this another time potentially. Uh, and so now the, now the, the, the problem is Shane, if Pickett also sucks, then we just wasted a whole nother year of TJ Watt in his prime and, and soon to be exiting in that prime, probably, unfortunately, Cameron Hayward on his last, last legs here. Like, why are we wasting another year of this when you should have done this before? I hate to live in the past. I know that, that it is what it is. I just, it, there are so many decisions like these head scratching decisions, like Steelers, what are you doing here? Uh, we should have been able to see this coming. And now we just got to live with it. And so I'm hoping that if the Steelers stick with Pickett, they get that coordinator who can make it work, that you can jumpstart your career again, like Jared Goff, like we talked about, where that Lions team, they were like a three-win team. And then Ben Johnson gets there, and they completely revitalize. They're they're a team that can contend for a Super Bowl now. So I'm hoping that they can do something with that. Yeah, and I think 
you know, there's the obviously the phrase or the saying that hindsight is 2020. Well, I think it was 2020 regardless of the like I think we kind of we we saw it clearly yeah. at the time too, right? And I think that is the thing that may have broke the camel's back though, right? Because ultimately with him firing him not quite mid-season but close to it, I I feel like Tomlin realized like okay, I can't we can't do this type of stuff anymore. And I think that even though it may be you know, a situation where you have sacrificed Kenny Pickett to the football gods, possibly. Uh, I think if it works out ultimately, then that was worth it, unfortunately, for, for, for Kenny. Like, I think that if he gets another shot, I do obviously hope, and we're not saying that we don't oh, yeah, want him yeah. to be good, but it's just, it's hard to imagine him taking the type of leap he would have to take in order to get this team where we think they should be or where they could be with a different alternative, right? That mm-hmm. that's kind of the issue with it. So again, I think it's what's going to happen. If they don't, I'll be pleasantly surprised if they bring in either legit competition or a, you know someone who's just better than him outright and will beat him out. But that remains to be seen. So the other main thing I wanted to talk about, though, other than we're going to get more into the draft and stuff like that, so we we don't want to spend too much time on that yet. But what can they do with the defense and the age and the, and the cap issues and everything? There's a lot of guys who are going to get cut. We we imagine mm-hmm. like. You know, there's a chance that Larry Joby might even be gone with still two years left on his deal. He had a really rough season, especially with Benton breaking out as a rookie. Um, can kind of play that other interior spot for, you know, pass rushing downs and everything like that. Trubisky, we assume, hopefully, not going to be on the football team. Uh, you know, other guys, of course, in there too that you can cut or restructure to get, you know, plenty of cap space. What would you want to see them do? And it doesn't have to be specific players, although if you if you can mm-hmm. think of any, that's great. What would you want to see them add specifically to the defense to kind of shore up some of the issues that we've seen, even with the scoring defense being good and everything like that? Like we, we've given up a ton of yards the past two mm-hmm. years especially. What would you want to see them do in free agency at least? Yeah, well, first of all, Shane, there there's plenty of avenues to free up that money. Like you were mm-hmm. talking about some of those decisions already. Trubisky's going to be gone. You just cannot justify keeping no, a no third quarterback keep him around. around for $7.25 million, I think is his price tag. <laughs> yep, whatever it is. Uh, it, Allen Robinson's the easiest yes, off-season, off-season decision a GM maybe ever, ever make. Yeah, it's insane. T- save $10 million for a guy that averaged 5.7 yards. Turn 80 yards as a full-time receiver. I mean, just, just hor- horrendous. And I know that some oh. people say, I actually had somebody messaged me this morning on Twitter and said, well, well, Robinson had some, some big third down plays. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but you ain't worth that money. No. There's not a chance that you're worth the fraction of that. And, worth like four third down conversions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where Steelers lie right now, Shane, they're, they're 15 million in the cap hole. They're 19 uh, in effective cap space, which means that in the hole, which means that after displacement costs and you have to go and assume, yeah, once I get rid of these players, I got to sign guys. That's going to cancel that out a little bit. So they, they got some work to do. They can get back out of there. Now going to your back to your question, it, there are certainly holes on this defense. There's going to be a lot of roster turnover. Like I, and I, I had a tweet, I think it was last week, maybe you could make a case that Joey Porter is the only cornerback that should be <laughs> on the roster next year among the guys they have right now. Levi Wallace, a free agent, Shannon Sullivan's a free agent. Neither should be brought back. In my opinion, Patrick Peterson should be a cap casualty. In my opinion, I don't think the play was good enough to keep him around on that last year. And I certainly don't want to tack on avoidable year or anything for a player of his caliber at this point. So I, I think the most important thing you can do for defense, it, you've got to find a corner that can play opposite Joey Porter. I, I think that that is, that's prior, priority number one when it comes to the d- defensive side of things. 
if you don't have that guy, you have, you're always just a sitting duck out there. And there's always a guy that you can pick on, whether it's Levi Wallace or Peterson or whatever their equivalent is next year, you cannot make another decision in free agency. And, and I, I hate to go back and, and try to toot my own horn here, but I didn't like the Levi Wallace signing. I didn't mm -hmm. like the Patrick Peters signing. I was very adamant about both of those things. I did not like the Chandon Sullivan uh, signing when that happened yeah. right around the draft. I, 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 and all, all of those decisions, it's like you are getting an older washed up. Now, Wallace wasn't that old, but he's not athletic and he's slow. And so yeah. you're getting these guys that don't have speed in the secondary, it, it, but they're good tacklers and whatnot. And, and you're expecting them not to get picked on. I mean, this turned out kind of exactly how I thought it would. And so you need more of the Joey Porter types. You need these guys who can run and cover and stay hip to hip, stride for stride with these more athletic wide receivers. And so I think in my opinion, Shane, the only ones that should be on the roster next year are Joey Porter, Darius Rush, because the, the guy is under contract for one more year. He's cheap. And, and then Corey Trice, who's had the, the ACL injury. Why not give Rush and Trice one more chance to see what they can do? Maybe one of them turns out to be a, a rotational guy or a dime guy or something that you can use. Uh, but realistically, you're either going to have to draft a cornerback high or you're going to have to spend big on one. Don't piece your money out to get a subpar cornerback. And that's the problem that the Steelers have been doing year after year. They, uh, they've, they've pieced out their money to get a mid-level at best corner, and it just hasn't worked out for them. You either need to spend and go out and get yourself the Jamil Dean type, that type of player. Uh, and I, I, I need to do more research on who's hitting the market this year because I really haven't looked at free agency recently. But that's the type of cornerback that if you're going to spend in free agency, you need to go that route. Otherwise, it's probably happening early in the draft. That's that's my thing. I think with corner specifically, and I know we said we're not going to talk too much about the draft yet. We're going to save that for throughout the offseason, talk about different players and different positions that the Steelers might target. But if you do not add a starting outside corner in free agency that is actually starting caliber, it does not have to be necessarily a world beater. The guy that comes to mind that I, I don't think is going to ultimately hit the market, I think they're going to keep him in some capacity, but we already showed interest in him. Jalen Johnson of the Bears. That would be the primo, like, perfect fit yep. for what oh, we yeah. would need opposite Joey. Now, will he hit the market, period? Will the Steelers be willing to offer him the deal that he wants? Who knows? But that would be obviously kind of like corner number one on my mind. That would make sense for them. If you can't get a guy like that or you just can't get a true starter on the outside, I think – the, the first pick in the draft, even though I think tackle is kind of what a lot of people have been mocking to them or talking about them, I think it very much becomes in play for that pick, right? I think 20 is a prime position to get one of the probably one of the top four corners. Maybe not your pick of them, depending on how mm -hmm. the draft rolls around, but probably one of those four guys. You know, a lot of people have talked about Coley McKinstry. He's kind of the the most, like, logical scheme fit because he's a pure press man, like, up-in-your-face corner that we clearly are interested in with a guy like Joey. Now, maybe they don't want an exact, you know, copy of the type of play that they get from Joey, but if you do, he would make a lot of sense. But yeah, if you can't get a starting outside corner for agency, I think it immediately becomes one of our top draft needs. And I think if you can't get an outside corner for agency, looking at the slot corner market would be super good because right now we do not have a true every down, especially mm -hmm. slot corner on the roster. So getting somebody like that, if you can't get an outside corner or vice versa, if you get an outside corner in for agency, then you know one of your mid-round picks, you better be looking at a slot type, right? Like try to build the secondary out. Yeah. So that Joey's not all by himself out there, right? Like you don't want him to have to do that. Same thing with Minka, right? If we want to get Minka back to his all pro form, 
he has to be able to play as a true over-the-top safety. He has to be able to be that ball-hawking type, and he can't do that if nobody can cover anywhere <laughs> except for one side yeah. of the field. So I think that that's definitely a big place or a big thing they need to do in the offseason through free agency in the draft to shore that up for sure. Um, any other spots on the defense yeah. in particular you want to see them attack in free agency? Uh, I mean, interior defensive line is an option depending on what they do with Ogan Joby. I mean, right. Hayward's going to be 35 years old this offseason. And, and they've got some interesting con- contract situations here. I mean, C- Cameron Hayward and Mika Fitzpatrick have a combined cap hit of almost $45 million this year. I know those are good football players. That's too much for a safety, even one the caliber of Minka. And it's too much for Cam Hayward at this stage in his career. Right. So I expect him to do something with those uh, the, those contracts, restructured, uh, maybe an extension for Hayward uh, with some voidable years potentially tacked on there. Th- they'll try to do something to get that the cap situation down. But I do think that uh, it, it's my, if it, the decision is up to me, Shane. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can go. I, can, I don't think I can run it back with Larry Ogunjobi. I just don't no. think I can do it. I, I don't think the play is what it needs to be. Now, the problem is you just gave him a three-year, $29 million contract last offseason. And so mm-hmm. you'll eat $7 million of dead money if you yep. cut him. Can you find a trade partner? I don't know if anybody's going to want to take on that deal or not. I mean, it, it, when you when you can, when you look at it this way, you trade, the Steelers would still pay the guarantees. And so it makes the cap a lot more manageable for the team receiving him. So it is possible to do. The other option with him is if you do decide, like nobody nobody wants this guy at this price or whatever, uh, and, ju- and just not productive at all the last two seasons and didn't grade out well the last two seasons, you could make him a post-June 1st cut, mm-hmm. and then you can save almost $10 million, and that makes it a lot more intriguing rather than the $6 million saving uh, that you would have with, with Ogin Joby if you were to cut him beforehand. So there are options with that contract. I personally would like to get out of that, assuming that you can free up enough beforehand to to go and and find somebody to kind of fill that that hole, maybe. Uh, but I just have not been impressed enough to, for the contract he got. And I said it at the time, I I, I was not a fan. I think that was one of one of Khan's worst uh, decisions so far. Not that he's made a lot of egregious things, like the draft was great and everything last year, but. I was not a fan of giving that mu- that much up for a player of Larry Ogunjobi's caliber. And I think part of the reason why they did was they wanted to cover their bases to make sure they had some depth there because uh, the, the D-line market was getting snatched up really fast in free agency last year. And they, I think they wanted to make sure they had an option there. I do think that's what happened with that. I do think that, again, the market was pretty crazy, right? Like, I really think that that's what ultimately got him the deal that was probably not worth, obviously, what he's done or what he did even with us. I think his first year was was definitely better than this past year, but it still doesn't really equal the contract he got. So I think they're going to try to get out of that one, most likely, like you said. You know, if they don't need the cap for the first wave of free agency, then I do think post-June 1st cut would make a lot of sense. It would save them more money overall. So that's definitely one to monitor, too, but... Overall, I think you're right. Like getting more help, even though I do think Benton can and should be the full time star uh, starter, right? I, I think that he should be that. Like I think they should go into this offseason mm-hmm. with the plan of making him the full time starter next to Cam. I think he can handle the snap uh, yep. count. I think he's by far the best pass rusher. That's not Cam Hayward when he's healthy. Like not even close. And I think he's good enough in the run game, right? He's showed a lot of ability to stack and shed and kind of get off guys like. He just is the best player on that interior right now. Sands a healthy Cam Hayward. And even then, we don't know. Next year, maybe Cam even isn't the best interior player on this team, mm-hmm. right, if, if he really shows out. So um, something I wanted to mention here too, um, I got a chat here. 
before we get out of here. Uh, Cam said he wouldn't t- doesn't mm-hmm. uh, won't take a pay cut and needs to go. Sorry. Well, I, I, they're not going to let him go. I'm pretty confident about that. I, but the thing is with the pay cut situation, he did say he won't pay, play for less money. With the, with the contract restructure, it's not going to be less money to him. It's just going to change how that money impacts the cap. So, yeah, if they do that, it's not he won't say no to that, I don't think, right? Like that's not going to be an issue. So, um, yeah. overall, though, I think that, yeah, that's a good place for us to start talking about this offseason. But obviously we'll get more and more into it as the offseason continues and as we find out more about what they actually do, what, what the reports are that they're going to want to do. So, Definitely stick with us. Um, just so everybody knows, again, we will be going live, um, hopefully two times a week. Obviously, most of the time, every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1:30 p.m. on Still Curtain YouTube channel. So check us out uh, those days as well. If you guys want to, of course, if you want to keep track of what we're talking about, what we're doing, you can follow us at <clears throat> Tommy Jagai for Tommy here and at Shane Kubis for me. Again, if you guys have any questions for us during the offseason, any ideas you want us to to mull over, definitely let us know on Twitter or in the YouTube comments. So. Thank you guys for joining us. Tommy, always nice having you, of course, and we'll see you guys next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.